the big fear that whenever you start talking, everyone else goes quiet is really bad, isn't it? Uh, I wonder how you got on with that, everyone. Anyone uh, scared of anything interesting that you want to share with us? What, what, what about the group down the back? Anyone want to share anything that they... Spiders, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, what about you guys? Okay, anything other than spiders and heights coming from over there? Back corner, what, 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 what do we have, June? Let's hear it. Cataracts. <laughs> okay. And what about what about this group at the? Yes. Yes. What's your name? Nice to meet you, Paul. Fear of God. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Okay. Yes. Um, it's um, spiders and enclosed spaces and and uh, heights and maybe maybe lockdowns and things like that these days. People are scared. Um, ours, is the, ours is the day of great fears, um, fears of, I don't know, terrorist attacks and fears of financial crises and fears of disease. It seems that we live in an increasing culture of fear. But how can that be? <laughs> how can that be whenever you think about all the, the health and safety procedures that we have? Think about the building regulations, uh, look at the car safety regulations. I, I can remember looking forward to getting into my grandfather's Ford Fiesta in 1990 because they didn't have any seatbelts in the back. Anyone remember those days? Many of you are too young. Um, look at the burglar alarms or the carbon monoxide alarms or the multi-point locks in our homes. And yet, who would, who would doubt that people actually check them their locks even more, uh, with, with the, even more obsessively than we ever did. How can that be? I mean, how can we be so fearful when we have routine treatments in our hospitals that our ancestors would only have dreamt of? What's going on? Think about that. What's going on? Safety. Safety is, is very important, isn't it, in our in the way we, we think about things. It's almost like the holy grail of our Western world. How did that happen? How come? Uh, there's a humanist uh, writer, an author called Frank uh, Furetti, who's written a book called How Fear Works. And he, in this book, he, he wrestles with that question. Why are, we, why are we more fearful than ever? And he reckons that the problem runs deep within us. He says this, because of people's inability to deal with fear deep down, anxiety has increased and so increases that desire for new fences that we can erect to try and protect ourselves. Now, I don't very often agree with humanists, but I think Frank is right that fear runs deep in us. Because we live in a, in a culture that values psychological feelings, feelings are very important these days. It values them more than any generation before it. And because we, we live in a, in a very self-focused culture, put those two things together, then personal feelings of well-being are, are very prized. They're, very, they're, they're, they're the greatest good that we can think of, our personal feelings. And so that makes fear, which is the opposite of personal well-being, a very present, a very significant headache, a very big enemy in the world that you live in. It's bad. Fear is bad. We, we all know fear. 
don't we? Uh, we? We know that feeling. We can remember it right now. And that's why you find it fairly easy to answer that first question. Sometimes it can be a, a fun thing. You say, what are you talking about? But think about, think about scary movies or, or, or roller coasters or extreme sports like parachute jumping or bungee jumping, things like that. You force yourself in that in, in those things to, 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 you force your body to, to go through the fear emotion, don't you? And you might enjoy the adrenaline rush. But it's only something you want temporarily, isn't it? You don't want to be living with that day in, day out. Because apart from that, we know that fear and our reaction to fear is a bad thing. There's not one of us who wants to be afraid or to live with fear in the long term. It's debilitating, isn't it? It keeps you awake in the small hours of the night, tossing and turning. It puts, puts you on edge. It, it causes us to eat too little or too much. It distracts us from normal living. It ruins our lives. Fear. What do people say when they meet someone who's shaking with fear? They say, it's going to be okay. They say, you're safe now. Isn't that right? Because there's not one of us who meets someone shaken up and terrified who doesn't, want, who doesn't find it necessary to allay this person's fear because it's bad. It's an enemy. We want to avoid it in the first place or certainly to remove it. It's standard enough wisdom, isn't it? Stay off the glass floored bridge. <laughs> Get your husband or, or wife to kill the spider. Uh, take the stairs instead of that cramped lift. Put on the night light because you don't like the dark. Or remind yourself that the odds are firmly in your favor, that the worst of your fears will statistically probably not happen. The results should be good, that, that calamity. It's just in your head. It'll be like one of those occasions that you thought about in question two, where you you unnecessarily worried, didn't you? And you know what? It, it turned out okay. So it was a waste of time, waste of your thoughts, unnecessary. But we want to avoid it, don't we, fear? And, and we certainly want to avoid it in its permanent form in any way that we can. We react to fear in a way that's not good. It's bad. So when the UK government were trying to find a way to drastically reduce social contact in the first lockdown, they knew that fear would work. Personal feelings of fear. Uh, and it did work, didn't it? Uh, it reduced personal contact because you were afraid of being on a ventilator, so you kept your distance, or you were afraid of dying, so you stayed in the house. That's what you did. What does the Bible say about fear? Well, God's word actually says a lot about fear. In fact, as Andrew mentioned last week, uh, the most common command in all of the Bible is do not fear. And all of its cousins like uh, do not be afraid or fear not. You can easily count up more than a hundred of these uh, in your Bible without very much effort. But that's just a, a don't do. And how does that really help, you ask? Don't do it. Don't fear is, is not really good enough, is it? How can you help someone to cope with fear on the basis of just a, a don't do that? 
when someone has just faced a traumatic situation, one of the first things, one of the things that first responders do, do is to talk to them about something else. You imagine someone's just escaped out of a burning building. We have a paramedic called Abby. She, she comes to our church. And, and, and if Abby was speaking to the person that's just come out of the burning building as a paramedic, she, she wouldn't put them over the details. Tell me what happened. How many were in there? Was it a big fire? What, no, what would she do? She would talk about something else. She would say, tell me about your family. Do you like sports? I mean, you, you, you cycle a bit. Oh, how far do you go on a run? And it's that... Focus on something else that the Bible teaches as well. But it's more than something else. It's, it's someone else. Psalm 56 verse 3 is a, is a good example, but there's plenty of them in the Bible. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. That you is God. There is fear to be avoided. And, it, and it's to be avoided not by some neutral position. There are no sort of nil-nil draws with fear. You can't just not do it. It has to be replaced. It has to be replaced with another focus in our minds, another port of call. And that port of call, according to the Bible, is best with God, to place our trust in God. We tend towards fear. That's what's in us naturally, some, some of us more than others. But the Bible tells us not to, not to fear, not to worry. It teaches us that this is unhealthy, sinful even, and, and to instead trust in God, to know that, that he's there, to turn our minds over to him, to, to lean on him. And yes, that can be difficult in a, in a storm of worry and, and fear to to, to do that, to, to practice that. But we, but we must pursue, I like that word, Andrew used that word a lot, I like it. We must pursue the truths of God's word that he teaches us. It can happen to anyone to be afraid, you know. It's not something that just affects the, the weak or the, the Christians at the bottom of the spiritual league table, if there was such a thing. Let me read from the book of Acts, chapter 18. There's a little snippet there, but I want to read you the whole passage. A real-life example of a, of a man called Paul, who, who was a missionary in a place called Corinth. When Silas and Timothy, we read, arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent, for now I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. All sounds good, right? And the Lord said to Paul, one night in a vision, do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Doesn't sound so good now when we get God's insight. Paul's afraid. He's scared. He's sharing his faith with the people in Corinth. He's trying to reach them with the gospel, and, and there's pushback. There's opposition. There's a threat to his safety. And he's scared. It can happen to Paul. It can happen to us. 
It has happened to Paul, and so we can learn from what happened to Paul. Fear is, is bad and should be avoided. It can be avoided with, a, with another focus on, on God, with a, with a reliance on the one who says, I am with you. Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you. These are encouraging words because it's a change of focus. It's a promise from God that he's going to to walk with you through whatever whatever comes your way. This This is what the Bible teaches us about the Lord Jesus. At the very end of Matthew, he says, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's an I am with you that helps with fear. But there's also in the Bible many times a reassurance of who is actually in control in this world. I wonder, I wonder have you ever been in a situation where things were totally out of control? This actually happened to me recently where all these other factors were completely out of my control. They were dictating uh, my life and the life of my family, and it was stressful, and we had made plans, and they were obliterated before our very eyes. And I said to my wife these words, I feel like a kite in a hurricane. Ever had a day like that? And, and it scares us, that, that sense of out of control. Listen to a passage in James chapter 4, verse 13, for your encouragement. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. You say, how does that encourage anyone? What are you talking about? That simply emphasizes the problem. You're telling me that we're not in control, that we're just a mist waiting to vanish. How does that encourage me? But when we are connected, when we are in relationship, when we are in special favor with the one who is in control, well, that's very different, isn't it? That's a, that's a calming truth, if that's you. That's a calming truth to know. Do not fear death. Do not fear calamity, Paul, God says to him. I'm, I'm keeping you alive in Corinth because you know what? I've, I've got you there because I need you there. And, I'm, and you're going to be there as long as I need you. You're in my hand, says God. Christian, tonight you do not need to fear death. For as long as you're here on God's clock, then you're here on God's clock. Embrace that truth. Pursue that truth. Pray. And pray often before you put your head on the pillow or when you wake in the night or when you feel struck down by that that terrible thought that keeps coming back to you or that, that dream that you keep having, that nightmare. Pray. Ask that God would help you. Trust in him. Turn your thoughts to him. He's there. We bring our concerns to God and he wants to hear them. You know that. He, he loves to hear from us. We cast all our cares upon him because he, he cares for us. But what about those not yet following Christ? What about someone who doesn't accept the Bible, who lives with fear? Maybe that's you. Maybe that's your friend or, or neighbor. And yes, we, we could 
You could just say, you know what, it's going to be okay. Okay, it's going to be all right. Probably never happen. But what if the truth is that they or you are not in control? And all of those times when things seem calm and average and normal, that you weren't really in control either? What if you hear those verses that say that your life's just a vapor and, and that gets you worried even? What would you do with that fear? Of course, some fear is helpful. Did you know that? Think, think about the fear of getting hit by a car that keeps a child from running across the road. That, that's helpful, isn't it? Or the fear that comes when you see that sign that says... Um, Strong currents do not bathe at the ocean. and you, it's, it's helpful to, to think like that. Or someone frightens you um, with a shout as you, as you are about to fall asleep at the wheel. That, that's helpful. You frighten me. Thank you. There's such a thing as helpful fear. At least temporarily. For making those good on-the-spot decisions like not running across the road or not swimming in that ocean or not staying asleep at the wheel. But you wouldn't want that to be a continual thing. Sure you wouldn't. That'd be torturous. I mean, you'd be concerned if you heard someone constantly going over in their head some of those fears that are meant to be temporary to keep you from doing something you shouldn't do. All the time, you wouldn't want that for them. They'd be immersed in that fear day and daily. That'd be awful. Yet, in the same way, and importantly, a fear of your own helplessness before God and his world is actually a helpful fear. Because you should know how much danger you're in. Because that would lead you to a good decision on the spot, as it were, if you did, if it leads you to to run uh, to God, who can help with all fear, to come to a right decision, well, that would be good, wouldn't it? To to turn to him. Think about the famous words of that well-known hymn, Amazing Grace. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." That's, That's what we're talking about. "'And grace my fears relieved.'" It's that temporary, necessary realization that I need God. (laughs) That's a fear. And then he relieves that in this explanation, if you like, of, of what happens when you become a Christian. Grace to fear the reality of my perilous position and grace to find relief in, in Jesus Christ as I become a Christian and, be, and trust him in faith and turn from my sins. But you don't want, I don't want you prolonging in that sort of fear. I, I want things sorted for you. God doesn't want you to be there either. He, he, he says, if you seek him with all of your heart, you'll find him. Seek him and relieve all fear. And it's with God, you know, that you find peace. Peace in your heart. You find the peace of God. You meet the Prince of Peace, who's Jesus. And in, deep down in your soul, you can be at peace. Peace as we live, subject to the one who who is in control. Psalm 139 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He's in control of of, of your life. He is. 
That includes living through a pandemic and it taking much longer than we ever thought it would. God's in control. He's in control over near misses and calamities and accidents. And Jesus walks with Christians and he prays for them from heaven to, through all the experiences of, of our lives. He says, do not fear because I'm with you. We move on finally from bad fear and helpful fear to godly fear. Someone said, uh, yeah, our brother here, um, Paul said that he feared God. We talked about bad fear. We talked about fear that keeps us up at night and it inhibits us and it, it, it's to be avoided generally, of course. But, but, but in some way, it, it can temporarily be helpful if it jolts us and leads us to, to a real moment of clarity or if it even leads us to God. But it may, now this may seem strange to you, but the Bible, at the same time as teaching us not to fear, also teaches us to fear. As a, as a permanent arrangement. Strange that, isn't it? How does that work? Well, what do you think it means when it says in Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? What, what does that mean? Strange when you consider what we've spoken about already and how we want to avoid fear. When the Bible even teaches us to. Or what about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14? I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. So which is it? To fear or not to fear? That is the question. Well, when the Bible talks this way about fearing the Lord or fearing God, it does not mean to be afraid of him like you are afraid of a bear, or heights, or spiders. Because you run, don't you, from those things, from that bear. Instead, it means to, to run to him. You see, you could run away from God like that, and that's not what you should do. You could, you could turn from God, and that's not the way. That's, that's bad, godly fear. That, that's... That's not what you should do. And people have, have turned like that in, in bad godly fear from God in all sorts of ways in the world we live in. Think about, think about Stalinist Russia, where the, the, the atheistic regime expelled God and Christian worship and churches. And, and what followed was, it was this grim, gray, concrete uh, dystopia where, people, where life became cheap and people were, were shot at a whim and everyone was afraid of the regime. A godless state is a brutal one. It always has been. There was no shortage of fear back then. We, we could turn from, from God too today. We could ignore him. We could replace him. We could, I don't know, think about, uh, you could maybe replace God with a, with a horoscope that you read every week and you're sort of, it's your lucky thing and you could do that, couldn't you? You could replace him with, 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 um, with good insurance or illness cover and say, you know what, that's me sewing up for the future. And, or you could replace him with, with trying to be really good just so that he, he thinks you're, you're good enough for, for, for heaven. That's replacing him with my own list of good deeds. Running from God and replacing him is to be avoided. That's sort of fear. 
because it destroys any hope of being right with our creator. But the antidote to fear is still fear, but different fear. How do I cope with fear? That's the question tonight. And the answer is not with no fear, but with godly fear. Different fear. The fear that leads us to God. Listen to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. I, I'm scared I nearly knocked my coffee over, but I didn't. 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Rather than running from God, godly fear, as it was intended, rightly exercised, means to run to him instead. It means to accept what he says. It means to be, be in awe of who he is. It means to, to do as the verse says, to serve him faithfully with all your heart. That's what we're talking about. To react rightly to God is to, is to run to him, to serve him faithfully with all your heart. Remember who this God is, right? He's the Holy One. There, there, is, there is awe in that. He, he's seated in splendor. He's surrounded by thousands of angels. He's sovereign. He can do as he wishes. He, he holds your very breath in his hands. And remember who we are. We're his creation. We're made in his image. We're here to, to bring him glory. We, we, we need the Savior. We need Jesus. And for the Christian, it's a matter of delight to serve such a God. Jeremiah talks like this in chapter 32 when he promises Jesus coming in the New Testament. He says, they, they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. You see, whenever we talk about putting the fear into someone, we generally mean shuddering terror, don't we? I'm going to put the fear into him. But this does not mean that. God's going to put fear into our hearts that's going to keep us from turning away from him. It's, it's, it's a deep issue, this. I, remember we talked about that at the start, about the humanist author? It, it's, it's a heart issue, this, fear. Fear is a matter that is deep in us. In the next chapter, Jeremiah says, they shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide. You see, this is not just fear of punishment, not at all. This is, this is a matter of blessing. This is a fear that leans us towards God and his very goodness. Because you know what? We know he's in control. We know that he works for our ultimate good. He, we, we can trust him with the details of our everyday lives because that's, that, 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 that's who he is. He, we can say with Job, and not a bit easily, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Charles Spurgeon, who's a 19th century preacher, explains the many, many verses in the Bible about fearing God like this. It is not because we're afraid of him, but because we delight in him that we fear before him. It's not a fear as in quaking, afraid that run, makes you run. It's a fear that, that's something that wants, makes you want to delight in him. That, that is, that's joy to the Christian. And it's not as judge or even creator that we consider God here, but, but, but as father, that's the idea. 
a good, good father who blesses us. Jesus feared his heavenly father. Hebrews 5 looks back at that and says, He who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Jesus feared his father. And so we ought to. There's an old Dutch man called Willemus Braille who once said, Fear issues forth from love. Perhaps that sounds strange to you. Fear issues forth from love. But it's true. Because the things we love are the very things we're afraid to lose. Isn't that right? You don't care too much if you lose that gaudy jumper that your mother bought you last Christmas. You didn't like it in the first place. Never mind love it. But if you lost a cat, or someone who's your partner, someone who's your own flesh and blood, well, that's very different, isn't it? Why? Because you love them. Or what about ourselves? Isn't it true that we, we love ourselves so that we fear bad things happening to us? That's the modern man or woman for sure, isn't it? That's us. And the scale is in play, isn't it? Because the, the things you love most are the things that you fear losing most. And think about that very personal question, number three, right? What was the thing that you, you thought, you, see if I lost that? If, that? if that thing happened, you know what? That, that dreadful thing, my life would be basically over. I'd be done with life. It'd be, it'd be game, set, and match. It'd be over. Because the last question is a love question. It's also a worship question. What do you value above all else? Fear is deep, isn't it? It's complicated, but it's deep. That makes it a worship matter. And deep in the places of your heart, the question is, do I fear God? That's the question that needs to be answered. Do I, do I want to honor him? Do I want to bring honor to the, the family name of my father? Or maybe, maybe I'm just using him to get a get-out-of-hell-free card or a improve-my-life-I-know-God card? Or have I another precious thing above him? It's a very challenging question, isn't it? Fear's deep. Do not fear tonight. Trust God. When, what time I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Rainey was quoting it during the discussion. That's it, isn't it? All your days are in God's hands. He's in control. You don't need to, to be scared. Pray and seek him. Develop that relationship with him. Cry out to him when, when it hits you. When you can't help it, as it were. Ask for help. He's there. Earnestly seek him. He's a deep resource. You're not going to ex exceed the supply. You're not going to. He'll help you. He cares for you. But do fear God. What you fear is based on what you love. And the more we love God, the more we want to fear and honor him. 
What you fear is also based on who you trust. You can try and trust yourself, but the truth is that fails. And if you're honest, you know that you're not really in control, but God is, and you can trust him. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll help us with this emotion and deep matter of fear that we so dislike and find so difficult, some of us more than others, but all of us at some time, give us help to trust when we're scared, when we can't get that thought out of our minds, when we can't sleep and we're tossing and turning in the wee small hours. Help us to trust. All our days are in your hands. Give us grace to do that and help us to fear you above all else and then we'll not fear anything for we've got all our focus in your direction and we want to honor you and we want to to know you more and we recognize that you're working for our good in all the ups and downs of life and you don't want us to fear and you tell us not to fear many times but we need grace for that father amazing grace we pray for those who don't know you if there be any tonight that they would recognize the false promises of self-sufficiency and self-sovereignty um, as it were that, we're that we think we're in control but we're, but we're really not and that in that moment we would trust and lean on you for salvation Bless each heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for tonight. As I say, next week, Andrew, the expert, will be back and uh, we'll be looking at anxiety. Um, how do I cope with anxiety? So please do uh, join us for that at 7 o'clock. And um, thank you for your time. God bless.